This is Learn It From An 80s Song. I am your coach, Patricia Freiberg. This is I Love the 80s meets the healing of storytelling and the positive impact of music. Inspiring guests share their powerful stories, yielding incredible strengths. Through both story and music, this podcast will elevate your mood, providing you with a positive outlook. It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. Today, we have a very special guest. Please welcome Ashi Aurora. She is the founder of iRise Executive Coaching. She has over 20 years of executive experience in healthcare operations, professional mentoring, and coaching. Her company, iRise, provides services to individuals who are seeking leadership, development, and enhanced performance. Ashi provides strengths based executive coaching through programs designed to enhance management acumen, self-awareness, and emotional intelligence. Ashi has been focused on training and development since completing her advanced education. Her early career was based in billing and advanced clinical practice management, which later advanced into higher executive roles within University of California's system, including financial officer, and chief administrative officer roles responsible for budgets over $1 billion. Ashi has had numerous positions within the academic professional societies and maintains an assistant adjunct professor title with Loma Linda University's School of Public Health. Welcome, Ashi. I am so excited to have you here today. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Patricia. I'm so excited to be here. So this is the part of the show where we have the big reveal as to what song we're going to be talking about today. So can I get a drum roll, please? Ashi. What is the song that best resonates with the story you're going to tell us today? True Colors by Cyndi Lauper. Beautiful. Yes. What an amazing song choice. And it fall, I can see how it resonates with the story you're going to tell us today and our theme. But let me take us back in time just a little bit back to 1986. Believe it or not, it was 1986. And this song spent two weeks at number one on the Billboard charts. It was nominated for a Grammy for Best Female Pop Vocal. Now, here's what's really interesting is I did a deep dive into Wikipedia. Thank God for Wikipedia. That's all I got to say. Here, the song was written by Billy Steinberg and Tom Kelly. Now, the song was originally given to Anne Murray. She turned the song down. And Cindy then took a hold of it. But here's what was interesting that uh, Steinberg says this. Cindy completely dismantled the sort of traditional arrangement and came up with something that was breathtaking and stark. And there you have True Colors by Cindy Lauper. 
Now, why this song also resonated with Cindy Lauper was because she lost her friend, uh, Gregory Nadel, to HIV and AIDS. Mm-hmm. Now, with that, she co-founded the True Colors Fund, which is a nonprofit to eradicate LGBT youth homeless. So this song and it has been an anthem among the gay community and it is such a powerful song and there is so much good that has come from this song. So I just wanted to point that out to everyone and True Colors guys, you've got to listen to it on repeat. It's just it's just beautiful. Well done. Really Thank is. you. Thank you. I mean the way she sang it, performed it, the video, and then the lyrics and the words. And I know that my story is going to be different from the historic story around this um, song and what it's done for a community of folks. I hope that through listening to my story about it today, it helps to inspire and motivate a different community of 100%. I, I agree. This song motivates, goes, just goes across all human beings about who we are to our core, right? And um, all right. Well, without further ado, Ashi, I'm going to let you take it away. Ashi, tell us your story. Yeah. Thanks, Patricia, for giving me a chance to tell my story. So I was 16 when I first started college. And by 21, I had my master's. And by 22, I was a manager. Early, very early on in my 20s, I was already hiring people and then sadly disciplining and letting go of people. And by my late 20s, I was virtually the CFO and then later the COO of like a $40 million mini company in a large organization. And even well into my 30s, even though I was gaining all of these different accomplishments and getting promoted in various roles a little voice inside me, a little gremlin still used to say, oh, you're so lucky. You're really lucky that you got this, but soon they're going to discover you. They're going to discover that you're really not this great person that they think you are. And interestingly enough, I didn't understand what that voice was and who it was, but I would say in about like 2013, my world kind of came crashing down. And it was, it, was a, it was a small incident where my boss actually gave me some constructive feedback in a performance evaluation. And I had never had any type of constructive feedback in a performance eval. In fact, I probably had have only had a few in my entire career at that point. And there were always like very positive comments, positive thoughts. And then he gave me a few tidbits on things I could work on. I had just assumed a very large role an executive role. And, uh, you know, we can always be growing and progressing and developing, but I took it really hard. And the reason I took it hard is because that negative gremlin voice was like, see, there it is. They figured it out. You're a fake. You're a phony. You are not worth it. You should not be in this job. And the next day I didn't go to work. I didn't get out of bed. And I wrote my resignation email that night. Wow. I truly didn't believe I was worthy of being in that role. So long story short, that weekend, um, one of the other executive leaders in the organization met up with me for drinks and didn't really try to talk me out of the decision I had made, but started talking to me about Sheryl Sandberg, about this book called Lean In and gave it and said, I think you should read it. 
And I just took to it. I spent like the next 24 hours reading it. And in there, she defined imposter syndrome and talked about her story with imposter syndrome. And basically what imposter syndrome is, is that an individual really believes that they are not worthy of the accomplishments, awards, accolades that are coming, that are given to them. They really think it's because of luck. They think that they're a fake or a phony, that people are going to discover this about them. And where it really gets in their way is this self-sabotage cycle that they often will put themselves in. So they won't put themselves out there for promotions. They won't speak up at meetings. And so now I'm talking about imposter syndrome in the workplace because I'm an executive coach and this is what I do and I deal with a lot. And that very type of behavior creates the self-sabotage cycle because guess what? then they're not going to be recognized for promotions. Then people are going to wonder why they're in that role anyways, because they never speak up. Um, they lack self-confidence. So they're never really showcasing their talents and their strengths. And I almost really fell into that trap by giving up such a great position. So long story short, I recognize that that's what I was going through. Um, it's not a diagnosis. It's There's a spectrum of it. Some people have some elements of it. And some people, it it manifests very strongly into depression and anxiety and other really strong psychological diseases. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it's so important. And I've kind of made it like my life's mission to get this out to everyone that look, everyone has talents and strengths. And that's why this song resonates so much with me is because it's like, let's get out your true colors. Let the world see how great you are. And then the sky's the limit. You you can do anything and everything if you put your mind to it and channel what you're really good at towards that. Wow. Wow. I mean, I'm looking at your your history, Ashi, and how at such a young age you had such enormous amount of responsibility. And and I'm wondering to have that going on simultaneously must have been, you know, just getting yourself to move forward at such a high level. Of, of of productivity. It must have been incredible. Such an incredibly strong woman you are, that is for sure. Thank you. Thank you. I have a strong mother and other really strong women role models in my life. And, um, but most of all, a wonderful grandfather who said, who really um, stressed the importance of education and also was really ahead of his time where he was like, it's important for women to be in the workforce, for women to have their own identity instead of the traditional mindset, sometimes of certain cultures of being a daughter, a, you know, a, a wife, a mother, but really more than that, that, that they can really take their education and do more for others and for other people and greater good. Absolutely. And so I'm curious as to, you know, when you started to find that you resonated with uh, imposter syndrome and that that was something that you had been dealing with. You know, how do you find that it relates to also perfectionism? Do they go hand in hand? Like, you know, I'm just curious as I was reading your story about that. Yeah, absolutely. So what happens, um, so imposter syndrome really afflicts very high achieving individuals and high achieving individuals and perfectionism it's probably a very linear scale yes you know the higher work ethic you have the stronger you feel the need to achieve you probably also have this super like level of perfectionism always raising the bar now 
some may call that like, well, that's what achievement is. You're raising the bar. You're doing better and better each and every time. Totally agree. I'm not discounting that at all. But the problem is when it starts getting in your way. And so mm. perfectionism feeds the imposter monster, that little gremlin that I'm talking about that's feeding you all these negative thoughts, right? And yes. so the imposter monster is telling you, if it's not perfect, you can't be doing this. Or yes. you can't, you can't. Like all these negative thoughts, right? Instead of saying, you know, sometimes done is perfect. Sometimes I'm going to have to just move forward without trying to be perfect in terms of what I'm what I'm trying to do. Like, for example, Trisha, I still have that grumbling on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Everybody does in one mm-hmm. way or the other, right? Like, and I just have strategies on how to deal with it. So right. as I was preparing for her podcast and thinking about my story, mm-hmm. and I was reciting my story in my head, the gremlin's like, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. You can't say it. Cancel with her. You're not ready to talk to her. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I'm trying to think here. <laughs> yes. And it's and it's funny because I had my gremlin, you know, saying, you've got to be a good host. You have to do this and make sure you're prepared enough. And so I had my own a monster on my shoulder saying saying similar things about you coming on and making sure I do a great job for you. And so it sounds like I, I would love for our listeners to really understand how imposter syndrome in that continuum shows up. And I know this is is your baby, is your specialty. How, if for you, it was getting that uh, constructive feedback from your boss that just kind of brought it all to a head, right? Yeah, how yeah. else do you think it shows up? And I'm thinking, when I asked you about perfectionism, I'm thinking about that for my own personal experience, right? So yeah. I'm just curious how much is... I was trying to, in my mind, sift through, okay, how much is perfectionism? How much is imposter syndrome? And the way that you described it was so perfect. It's like these two linear lines that kind of go together. And um, how else do you think it would show up for different clients that you've worked with on that continuum? Yeah. So one of them is um, when a client, and I've had this with several clients when they come to me and they're feeling stuck in their careers. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so as we unpack that, it's like, okay, so tell me about what executive presence, for example, means to you. How do you show up in a meeting, in a project leader capacity? You know, how does it tie in with your leadership style? And as we start looking through all of that, I find um, one of the common themes is, well, unless I have something really profound to say, I don't speak up. I'm like, all right, explain what profound means to you. And, And as we start digging through that, it's like, oh, okay, unless you feel confident... So here, mm-hmm. here it is, like to answer your question, is that lack of self-confidence. Like unless you feel confident in what you're going to say, you just feel like you're going to take a back seat and not say anything at all. Well, that's really challenging, especially if you feel like you're not getting the career growth that you want mm-hmm. because you're not going to be recognized for leadership positions if people don't hear you communicate. Yeah. Now, I know we hear, you know, that sometimes people will say, well, I see that leader and they only speak up when they need to. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But they're probably also exerting confidence in other ways. So I, for, to answer your question, I think confidence is one big, big way that it, that it shows up where there's a lack of that self-confidence yes. and especially confidence in communication. Yes. 
I think another way that it commonly shows up is when people are trying to work on their weaknesses. So I know this will lead into a different conversation that we're going to have that I think is so critical to this Mm -hmm. and is a great strategy to use to really help overcome it. Yes. But I think that we as a society really focus a lot on how do we fix our weaknesses? And as you know, fellow coaches, we know there are a ton of assessments and tools that tell leaders all about these things about their personality and leadership style. And here are your weaknesses that you need to fix. Yes. Very commonly done. And so I think what happens is that internalizes and feeds that negative mindset and that negative cycle Mm -hmm. because high achieving individuals are going to go right to trying to fix what they think is wrong with them. Right. (laughs) Which just keeps spiraling them into that imposter loop over and over again. Absolutely. And I think this is a great uh, segue into how you managed and how you now work with your clients on imposter syndrome. So what was it that um, helped you uh, get through that obstacle and then how you continue to help clients? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing, one of the first things that I did was tell the people closest to me mm-hmm. that I was struggling with this and dealing with this, that I finally had a term behind it. And to no surprise, there were a lot of people who had never heard of it either. I mean, we're talking 2013, 2014, even now in 2021, most people still that I talk to have no idea what imposter syndrome is. Right. And there's not a lot of research behind it. But if you Google it, there are a lot of articles and blogs like the people are starting to really talk about it and it's getting a lot of traction, but a lot of people don't, don't really know what it was uh, back then. And, and so what I found was in talking to my friends, they, without even realizing it, I'm reflecting on it now and thinking about like some of the earlier strategies that helped me with it. They started telling me all these great things about me. Mm-hmm. They're like, but Ashi, you're so good at da, 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 da. And here yes. are your strengths. And here's what we love about you. And then even coworkers that were friends that I talked to about it. But this is what you're so good at doing this. This is why you got recognized for that promotion. This is why you're great in this project role, or this is why you're on this committee. And so that's one of the first strategies I use with my clients is Mm -hmm. let's talk about your strengths. I want to know what you're good at. Perfect. Yes. And that is you know, we typically on this podcast show, we talk a lot about the VIA strengths. And today uh, we're going to talk about the Clifton strengths, which Ashi is now going to venture into and tell us a little bit about her top strengths. Yeah, absolutely. So let me give your listeners first a bit of an introduction yes. to Gallup and Clifton strengths. So Gallup's a huge organization, multinational, all around the world millions of data points, and they have what's called the Clifton Strengths Finder, which is an assessment tool that helps identify someone's top strengths. And they have had over 25 million people take this assessment. And the chances of someone else having the same results as is you is one in 34 million. Isn't that crazy? It's so crazy. So it tells us that your strengths are unique to you. So even though you may have similar what are called talent themes than someone else, The order in which your talent themes show up also help you identify what your strengths are. And they are going to be very different than someone else's. And so it's a super, super powerful tool. And so as a strength certified coach, I start all my clients with that. Mm -hmm. And 
it creates a positive language and vocabulary that even like adds on to what they may already know about themselves or what they what someone else may be telling them about themselves in terms of their strengths. Yeah. So that when we start looking at different goals or we start looking at different problems, we often say, okay, what are one of your top strengths you lean into to, that you could lean into to solve this? Or how can we aim one of your top strengths towards this goal and create a set of action items accordingly? Absolutely. Beautiful description. So precise, so perfect, so in your top strengths. <laughs> so share with us. <laughs> so share so share with us uh, your top strengths. <laughs> so two of my top strengths are arranger and discipline. So what arranger means is that I love to organize and help others organize and arrange, like make plans. And coupled with my discipline strength, which is where I get a lot of my structure from, my answer as such became very organized and structured. And so that's what I, that's how I communicate. And that's also how I help my clients get to their goals and create structured plans to help them achieve those goals. So great. And then um, I saw that you have input in your top uh, as well. And I love input. I actually have have it. I think it's my number six. And it's the collector of all, you know, of information and archives. And like for resources for people who love to study, I know Learner is in your top 10 as well. And so for for those that really um, love to learn and they have input, they are buying all the different resources. How many resources can we archive? <laughs> the bookshelves are packed. Uh, so, so great. And I can see that arranger in you. And I, I love this uh, quote that I got from speaking of input, because obviously I have input. I have this book here, the 2.0 yeah. Clifton uh, Strengths. And I love the quote they put in there for arranger. How can you keep as many things in your head at once? Like, how can you keep that many things in your head at one time? And that is a ranger. That's how they yeah. look at the world. How yeah. can I, how can I best arrange things and the most efficiently? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now you said, um, you've got relator in your top five. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like from, from what you, um, had written and what you've said that relator is something that you really leaned into, uh, in dealing with imposter syndrome and, and that, um, obstacle. Yeah, absolutely. So um, like I mentioned before, I use my relator strength to reach out to people I'm deeply connected to. So as a relator, I believe in really deep connections with people. I really work on having not a lot of friends, but you know, few very deep, meaningful connections with certain people. And so I relied on my network to figure out how to help me get through this. And through that process, I really learned about strengths, but it's also this other strategy that I use with my clients, which is who is on your personal board of directors? You know, who's, Love it. who's your mentor? Who's your sponsor? Who's the cheerleader? Who's your advocate? And then who's really that shoulder to cry on? Um, yes. Who may just be that listener. And so I found that that's how I came up with that strategy was because of that relator strength of mine, because I really look to 
people in my network to help support me as I'm going through different challenges. And so that's, yes. been, that's been super helpful. And what's funny about my input strength, since you mentioned it, input learner and relator is something I actually use very often together because for me, it's uh, the way I use it. It's not just information. It's what other people and inputting that into my head. It's almost like a mental Rolodex that I create. Mm -hmm. And I have different points about each person on that card so that I can like use it anytime maybe I need it or I need to use it for someone else to connect other people together. So, yes. And that would also go along with individualization, which is, uh, is that's my number one. And wow. that's in your top 10. So I and can see your podcast. I can yes. see that right away. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, so I can see how even in that Rolodex and how you have specifics, how that would be individualization. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting. It is. Guys, if you haven't taken this, you know, it's, it's such a wealth of knowledge, just knowing the information and then, and then hiring a coach that can help you it's one thing to know this information. Yeah. It's another to really learn about how you can use it, um, what your blind spots are. We call them mature strengths and raw strengths, right? So how, how we use them and how we can best utilize this beautiful package that we are given and that's unique to us. So hiring a coach like Ashi or you know somebody that you want to reach out to would be important after you take this assessment. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the challenges with a lot of people is they take an assessment and they put it in a drawer. They read it once, never use it again. I mean, strengths is something once you really work with a coach too, to get into the analysis of it and really understand how to leverage it. It's so powerful because it becomes, it's a daily habit for me. I just wrote a blog on this, which I'll, I'll share a little bit later, but it's, I, I am constantly thinking about a strength that I have on a daily basis of what am I going to lean into today to get certain things done that I want to get done or accomplished or I'm going to have a difficult conversation or I'm going to have a difficult client or whatever it is, which strength am I going to lean into? And, and so it, it becomes a really powerful voice against that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> when you need That's it. so great. So the strengths really by knowing your strengths and working with a coach on it can really help manage imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amazing. So let's talk a little bit about um, some action items. You've given us such great information on this. And um, I want to give our listeners uh, also at the end of the show, well, how to get a hold of you so they can get more information about this. But what would be action items for those hearing this podcast today? What would be a good action item for everyone? You know, I think a really quick, easy one is read the blog that I just wrote. It's just a five minute read. And the reason I'm saying read it first is because it will help you understand a little bit about what I call the empowering mindset. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest strategies to challenge a negative mindset is like, oh, let's just become positive. No, no, no. Your negative mindset that feeds the imposter monster was created and set up to help you avert risks, keep you safe. I mean, it was a very powerful tool, especially in your younger years. Mm-hmm. The challenge is it also feeds the imposter monster, right? So as you grow older, you grow into your career, it's feeding you and holding you back. 
So what you want to do is you have it, but you want to create this empowering mindset, tactical strategies to help you towards like understanding your power and how to use that power towards battling and overcoming the the negativity that's not serving you with yes. the imposter monster. So what I do in this in this quick blog is just some daily habits you can put into mm-hmm. practice in order to create that empowering mindset. So in terms of daily habits, you know, one of them is uh, and so now I'm going past the action item, but let's let's yes. say the, the the one action item is read the blog. Right. The second action item is uh, pick a strategy and stick with it for three weeks and see what changes you have. So one of them could be creating like positive statements, any kind of positive affirmation, and you write it somewhere, write it on your mirror, write it on a little post-it note next to your computer. I am worthy, or I am great, or I am deserving of this. And so something to keep reminding you that anything that whatever your imposter monster is telling you, that's a really negative statement that's holding you back to counterbalance that with something positive. Yes. Another one is like I already said, recognize the strength you have and lean into it daily. Talk about that strength. Like, you know, have this dialogue in your head going like, okay, I know that I've got all of these things I've committed to today, but it's all right. I have that responsibility strength. I'm going to, I'm going to go into it. I'm also Mm going to know that I don't want to overuse my responsibility strength. Like you said about blind spots, Yes. And I'm not going to overcommit. So I already have too much going on my plate. I'm not going to add anything else today onto yes. it. And so, but but that's still, even though it's it's a, okay, I'm not going to do something, it's because I don't want to overdo that do responsibility it. because I really want to make sure that I fulfill what I've already committed to. Yes. So anyways, just an example of a strength. Um, yes. And then I another strategy is a mindfulness practice, 10 mm-hmm. minutes whatever you can do for mindfulness to clear your head. Um, yeah. It can be meditation or yoga, which we often find are the common ones, but mindfulness could also be weeding, you know, your garden, vacuuming. I have a friend who loves to organize and clean out drawers. And that is my, is a mindfulness practice for her. Yes. Whatever works for you to yes. clear your head for 10 minutes that where you kind of have a recharge and a reset. 100%. I'm an art therapist um, by trade, you know, so I love to draw or to, uh, you know, even those mandala coloring books or something like that. It's an easy thing to pick up when you're like, oh gosh, I need to be mindful today. What am I going to do? And for some people, it's not yoga. They need to actively do something. Me. And it's at your desk. So you can just say, all right, I'm taking 10 minutes. Here are my coloring, you know, my crayons, my markers or my gel pens, whatever you like to use and, and spend 10 minutes on a, uh, a mandala and you don't finish it. You'll pick up the rest tomorrow, you know, or the next day. So I highly recommend for those trying, you're trying out different ways of being mindful and, and one size does not fit all. So you really have to find the one that resonates best with you and also mixing it up. So maybe you go out for a walk for 10 minutes. And and I love the idea of an awe walk. So that's where you recognize uh, something in nature or something outside of your home. If you're in the city, you know, anything that you want to, to really focus on and see and recognize the beauty in it, take, take, take it in. And with that, just really thinking about 
Like if, like today I went for a walk, I noticed these beautiful purple flowers. You know, I, I live in Southern California, so I, I'm fortunate that I get to see these amazing, a lot of beautiful nature, especially in the springtime. And I just spent time just focusing in on those flowers and soaked it in. And then I found that I had Great. a little more spring in my step and, and it's just uh, changed my focus. So try those out for size. Yeah. Great, great added mindfulness tips. I mean, there's, there's so many different things you can do, but yeah, to clear your head, recharge, reset. Absolutely. So good. This has been so amazing. I've learned so much by talking to you, Ashi. Thank you again for all of your information. Before we hit 80s trends, Mm -hmm. I want to know how can we get a hold of you? How do we hear your, you know, get to see your blog? Yeah. So um, my blogs are posted on my website, which is iriseexecutivecoaching.com. You can also email me at ashi, double A-S-H-I, at iriseexecutive.com. And then I'm at LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, ashi.irise. Love it. Well, thank you again for all the information. So now let's dive into those 80s trends. So um, Ashi and I, if you're watching YouTube, you're see, you see what we're wearing. But if you're listening, <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you don't get to see it. So I'm wearing bright neon yellow today for, you know, 80s. And, and I'm, we were just talking about it before the show that we see all the 80s, you know, all these 80s trends coming back. And, you know, I made this podcast, uh, you know, obviously I'm a Gen Xer, but, um, you know, I made this podcast not knowing the 80s were coming back. So I guess I just, I'm trending right now. And that's very exciting. Um, that's a first, Uh, that's a first. Uh, so Ashi, uh, you are wearing an amazing denim jacket, beautiful, bright purple shirt, and she's got these amazing hoop earrings. So she's definitely bringing in, uh, bringing in the eighties, uh, trend and looking spectacular. Thank you. Yeah, no eighties was such a fun decade, of course, with like some crazy dress patterns and what, whatnot spandex and who would have thought that, I mean, in 2021, and especially 2020, COVID era, spandex has been a godsend. Thank God for spandex. <laughs> <laughs> Love yes. 80s fashion trends, for sure. I do too. What are some of your favorites, if you look back? Uh, definitely the hoop earrings. I yes. mean, I haven't left it. Like 80s, 90s, 2000s, like I've never stopped wearing hoop, wearing earrings, hoop earrings, no matter how much criticism I get from family and friends. I, I still, I love my hoops. So yes. that's definitely my favorite trend. And you wear them well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bunch of them. <laughs> yes. And I was thinking about the, um, you know, I've noticed acid wash is coming back and, and, uh, and then of course Tie-dye. all the bright colors. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really, uh, it's really interesting to see it all come, come back. <laughs> um super any favorite shows any favorite shows yeah i was a big fan of full house loved john famous yeah yeah and even when fuller house came on love that too and what was fun was watching fuller house with my teenage girls oh and they loved it and so we went back and then got full house uh, yeah. DVDs and started watching those too. But oh, that's great. But then at a certain point, when Michelle grew up, then it wasn't as fun. That's exciting. <laughs> it yeah. Was so cute. Yeah. She was little. 
But yeah, definitely like my favorite show. And I, I don't know, it was just the family environment, the love, the the girls were growing up. At, I was like the same age as, as they yes. were growing up too. So it just kind yes. of resonated. And then seeing Candace Cameron in Fuller House, like yeah. being a mom, similar age, you know, younger kids. And like, oh, this just all resonates. Yes, such great shows. I, I I loved a lot of the family shows that they had. Growing Pains, yep. Family Ties was a definitely a favorite. Silver Spoons, uh, the Cosby Show, yeah. Silver Spoons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was that was great, great show too. So many great shows. Well, Ashi, thanks again for being here and sharing your incredible wisdom with us today. And until next time. All right. Thank you. This was so fun. Thank you for having such a fun podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80 song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.